Yes, coming in hot with episode 34 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by a man who's been calling for Dan James for weeks now, and he's finally here, Jobber. How are you, mate? Hey, finally, Dan, the man gets a Guernsey. I'm, I'm great. Honestly, I'm bouncing off the walls after this morning. Couldn't believe it. We've got one of the legends of management and Marco Bielsa going head-to-head, and I think everyone wow. knew what happened. Nice to see Sir Alex in the crowd, and um, you've been calling for Dan James for weeks, and here he is, and look what, look what he does to your team. What a performance. What a performance. So, look, let's get into it. What's the flavour of the pod today? Flavour of the pod, we've got opening questions, then we're into some weekly happenings, a bit going on, and coronavirus put us down last week, but we're back. FIFA World Pro to cover. Um, EPL review, big set of games with a couple to come. Then we're into the League Cup review, touch on Rogers Multi, and then into socials. Let's go with the opening question. What have you got for the boys? Um, yeah, uh, just first thing is it's great to see the Carabao Cup back. I've just had a refreshing can of Carabao now. Um, going to be up all night. I love those Thai energy drinks. You know that. So <laughs> we're, we're bringing in the festive season. And like this one was pretty simple this week. So it just got me thinking, which current Premier League manager would make the best Santa Claus and who would be the best Grinch? Well, I am lucky enough to have Fireman Sam back in the Premier League. He's come back to fight a fire over at uh, West Bromwich Albion. And so you can't really go past Santa and not give it to Big Sam, can you? So... Big Sam is my Santa. And the Grinch, um, I've gone with um, Ollie. Oh, come on, mate. Yeah. No. He's the baby-faced assassin. He is. And he's got a bit of an elf look about him. And so from the elf, I sort of yeah fell into the Grinch top space. So those little weird ears and I think something's going on with his eyes. I think maybe they're too close together. Who have you got for Santa and who have you got for the Grinch? Um, yeah, so Santa I thought was an easy one too, but I didn't go with Big Sam. You went Didn't. for the physical? No, I went for Roy Hodgson because um, he, he's obviously already given a great gift to Liverpool, um, shipping seven. But the thing what I liked about Roy was he's seen it all. Same as Santa. Santa sees everything. Mrs. Claus keeps him in line. Roy has seen it all. He's so old. He has seen everything you could possibly see. So I thought Roy sees all, knows all. He would do the right thing. You sound like a bit of an ageist, but yep, keep going. <laughs> no, I'm going to get back to Roy soon. Um, the Grinch, also an easy one, uh, Sean Dyche, because I think it would be hilarious to hear his voice on the Grinch. I was actually watching the recent cartoon remake, and the whole time I was thinking, imagine how good this would be with Sean Dyche's voice on the Grinch. Hey. Time to watch the um, <laughs> Grinch movie. <laughs> a busy day. For you, yeah. right? I was bloody flat out. Oh, stolen Christmas again. So, look, there's been a bit going on, so it's Christmas time, and you know what that means. The games are coming thick and fast. Michael mm-hmm. Bublé and Mariah Carey are storming up the charts. But there's one other thing that usually comes around this time of year. Can you guess what it is? Uh, someone gets sacked. Someone gets sacked and someone is sniffing around. Who do you think? Think long ball? Think Andy Carroll on loan? Oh, yep. Big Sam. You talking Big about? Sam is back, baby. He's, uh, here. He, he, he's living it. You knew as soon as as soon as soon that job came up at West Brom, Billich was out, Big Sam sniffing around going, I could steer this ship home. He could. Um, and so are you happy to see Billich move on? I suppose not. happy is not the word, but was that the right move for West Brom? Uh, I think it had to be done. 
I am quite sad because I feel like Slavin Bilic is actually a good manager. Like he's so good at getting teams promoted, and like they always play good football, and he seems to be a real student of the game. But they had to do something, and it just he just can't make the step to the Premier League, can he? It just doesn't work out for him. Yeah, he's in that weird space, isn't he, where he can't yeah can't quite cut it in the Prem, but uh, yeah, it does reasonably well in the Championship. Yeah, so um, yeah, good to see Big Sam back in the game. So um, the FIFA Pro World Eleven came out. Couple of notable names in there. Uh, Lewandowski was named the Player of the Year. So FIFA Pro World Eleven is voted on by I think it's every player has a chance to vote, but they get about twelve thousand votes or something in. So Lewandowski got Player of the Year, and Manuel Neuer won Goalkeeper of the Year, but wasn't in the World Eleven. Yeah. So I am. Confused by that, as everyone would be. But I think I'm happy with the World Eleven. I think I pretty much would pick the same Eleven. Um, but I would put Allison in over um, Neuer. Who have you got between the sticks? Uh, yeah, I'd go for Allison. I, I think I just I'd go for Allison over Neuer. I just think he's had a better year. Um, do you think Deli Ali was stiff to miss out? No, and I find it really odd that he was um, nominated or he was in like the shortlist or something, wasn't he? Yeah, I, it made – like I just couldn't get my head around it. Um, must be a very popular guy. Um, that's the only explanation I had for that. But happy enough. So the other thing that we didn't get to touch on last week was it was good to see Danny Drinkwater back in the news. Um, Danny, Danny is a former Manchester United and Leicester player and he was a favourite of yours. Um. But he's in the news for beating up a child in a game that Petr Cech actually played in as well. Did you see the tackle on Danny Drinkwater? I did. He's got every right, did doesn't he? Did that kid not deserve a punch in the face? At yeah. least. Terrible. Oh, that was a minging challenge. Um, you although Danny about, you forget about, Yeah, you forget about Drinky being um, back at Chelsea, don't you? But what's it was so 21s, was it? 23s? Yeah, the kid was 16 apparently. Just finished his oh. high school exams or something. But what a challenge. Bloody awful. Yeah. Um, and Peter Check with the gloves on. I mean, it's good to see he's moved out of the way and isn't um, in someone's um, spot trying to make it. Yeah, he's just, stage, just yeah. keeping the helmet warm for the kids. Um, <laughs> so, look, let's get into it. So, massive week. Liverpool hit seven and United hit six. It really is Christmas now. Where else could we start? <laughs> Crystal Palace, nil. Liverpool, seven. What did you think of this one? Yeah, well, Liverpool... Uh, just getting on a roll now. I, I think they're starting to separate themselves from everyone Everyone else. Like I feel as though that, um, yeah, they're sort of taking two steps ahead and other teams around them seem to be tripping up or dropping points every now and then, the Leicester Cities, the Man Cities and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think they're really starting to separate themselves. They're starting to get some players back too. I mean, Minamino started um, and scored his first goal, which, which was nice um, to see him on the score sheet. Naby Keita back for Liverpool. Oxley chamberlain come off the bench. Um, Mane, unbelievable form and um, got his goals. And then did you see him coming off? And his yeah, And then Mo coming on and he just looked a million bucks when he come on. But I suppose the... Couple of goals I want. We can't talk about them all, but a couple of goals I want to talk about is um, Firmino's first touch for the first goal and his finish, and then I think he got number six as well, another magic first touch. So, ball whipped across from Robertson, and just how deft that touch was for his first goal. Doesn't doesn't Firmino just look a different man this week after his performance against Tottenham? Like you just seems yeah. great. Like you see that smile, and he has the most irresistible smile in the Premier League. Um, he just great seems so happy. 
Yeah. Great what, teeth, yeah. That, well, that whole goal was ridiculous. One, so we're talking goal three here, so we're skipping over his little cheeky pass to Mane for the lash home. So yeah, we're going, Firmino yeah. starts the move with a like a really good ball, like a bouncing uncomfortably, clips it out to Andy Robertson. Robertson just doing his thing, trotting along the wide. And then the ball in from Robertson was exquisite and the touch from Firmino was ridiculous. It was, and you've probably got questions of two centre backs. Like he just Firmino just ran from in his own half into the eighteen yard box unchecked between the two centre backs. I mean, yeah, you can't take much away from the touch and the finish, but I would like to see some sort of contact on him um, or someone getting close to him. But it, it was weird, yeah, wasn't it, watching Palace? Because Palace are normally quite savvy in defence. Like they don't normally get um, ripped apart by the break, but I think Liverpool were just that irresistible. Yeah, a bit of a character from Roy's boys. It was, yeah. I don't know why they thought all of a sudden they could play football. Um, little chance, little chance for them to get back into it with um, when I ran down the side and had, I think he had a cut back to Zaha. I think that was little, that was probably earlier little on. Little chance. I, I don't know how they missed that. That was disgraceful from Iwu. Cut it behind Zaha, and Zaha did not look happy with um, Iwu either. <laughs> no, um, but they should have been back in it. But yeah, by this, like, so back up to third goal. That third goal from Firmino was ridiculous. Um, the fourth goal with uh, the pass to pass to Jordan Henderson from Alexander Arnold. That was a stunning oh, yeah. goal. Nice. Yeah. Henderson's flying too, isn't he? Hen- yeah, he's in good form and he's kept fit pretty well. Like I know Liverpool have had some injuries, but um, he's been pretty much consistent. I know he had a little hamstring tweak recently but apart from that he's pretty much played every game so i mean they they need him and there's a fierce competition in that center midfield spot and he he'll get one every time um just based on his leadership i think but that that was the goal where it got cut back and henderson whipped it in i think that that you're right with saying that was number four but i love the shot of the bench (laughs) (laughs) i've got a note here that says pans to roy and he's like muttering to himself yeah, but he's got this like weird smile on his face where he just like he's just going like everything they hit just goes in the top corner and he's just got that look on his face like what what do you do? Like I can't do anything at this point. Everything they hit goes in the top pins. There's not much you can do. No, so they weren't done at this point either. Um, so so Mane's had Mane's had his little tantrum and I think I if I was Klopp and I saw Mane have that tantrum, I wouldn't be upset about that. Like, he's coming yeah. off because Mane's thinking, like, go stuff yourself, Klopp. I could have really filled my boots today. Um, and you're bringing on the bloke I hate the most in the world in Mo Salah. And that was a very insincere high five. Good luck. So Mane's steaming. But if I'm Klopp, I'm like, good. I'll, like, keep that anger. Um, yeah, I agree. I think th- this has come up a few times, um, like, on our pod and, and through, um, through other media where – I think both of those two sort of tread the line on how angry they get at each other through not getting a cutback or someone taking a shot on or when they get subbed on or off. But I think it's it's right in the healthy space still. I think if it probably goes any further, it moves into unhealthy and a bit, um, yeah, like not that conducive to um, a team operation. But I think at the moment it, it's fine. But I think if it winds back and you you don't want them sort of not being very greedy either. So I think it's right in that sweet spot where I think it works really well, evidently. Yeah, so Klopp, Klopp still rules the roost, I think is the most important thing there. Um, so I suppose go on and Mo Salah scores an absolute banger. 
um, the last one, ridiculous yeah. goal. But at seven nil, and he's sort of not celebrating. Did you get Roy Hodgson's presser after the game? I got his presser, and uh, that just carried on from that look on his face when they panned over to him when he was on the bench um, after all those goals were flying in. So they got um, Liverpool had eight shots on target and scored seven. So um, yeah, what if you're Roy? He's just saying. Um, what he said what was his quote? Uh, if there's anything positive to take out the game, I couldn't find it. Nothing positive is going through my yeah. mind right now. He said anything, anything he says right now is superfluous. I love that he got that word in there, and she goes, "There's nothing positive to take out of it. Nothing positive going through my head right now." But you know, Roy's going to be like, "That was a blip, guys. We're not going to run into Liverpool in that kind of form every week. Um, move on fast." I don't even think he'd watch the video of that game. Yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it, where you just say you put it down that Liverpool just too good for a team like Palace and there's no value in dissecting that. You just got to say, well, they're operating on a different level, have a different budget and we've got very different goals. Um, let's just put that one down and, and, and move on. The less time we spend on that game, the better for Palace. Performance of the season so far? Yeah. yeah just unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. All right, so we move on with Liverpool firming up top spot. So we go over to their biggest rivals, I'd say, Southampton. Um, they take on Manchester City. Uh, what did you make of this one? Was Saints a bit unlucky? Oh, I think so. So I've got a couple of talking points out of that, like in terms of how unlucky they were. But I, I want to start with Man City's lineup. So still no Sergio um, injured. And then Jesus's, um finishing has been poor. So he got dropped to the bench and they played Torres up front. What do you think of that? Fernando or foreign? Foreign. Mm, yeah, no, I don't like it. No, I, I, I just think he's lost all confidence in uh, Jesus. And Jesus' body language isn't great either. Seems to mope around quite a bit. And not in the way that Sergio Aguero mopes around where like, he's going to explode soon. It does seem to be a bit of a mope about him. I don't like it. So I can understand him better. Yeah. Yeah. It, seem, it seems like it's, it's got to be all about me. And if he's not scoring, he's not happy. Yeah, I agree. So I think it's, yeah, there's... If anything, if anyone needs a striker in the Premier League, it's Man City. Like they seem to have all the other tools, but just haven't gone out and spent money on a striker. But they clearly, clearly need one. And I think it'll transform their their team if they get someone who can finish because they let a lot of chances go. But let's go to the couple of non penalty shouts for Southampton. The first one on Danny. This is from the cross here. So the cross comes in, and is it is it Ruben Diaz that kicks him in the head? Yep, Diaz. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you can give that. Really? It's too no. hard. It's too hard for defenders already. So what? You don't want to make the game any um, any easier for them. Like we want to see more goals. But I think that what what it does is he makes contact with Danny Ings. Appreciate it's not that heavy a contact. But the, one of the key things is that him slinging the boot up there makes Danny flinch because um, he's worried about getting hit in the face, as you would do when he swings the boot that high. So it changes how what how Danny approaches the ball and it makes contact with him. For those two reasons, I thought it was going to be a pen. Yeah, I, I would I like. I think if they'd given the pen, I wouldn't have had a huge argument. Yeah, but, it's one of those ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, I like someone's going to be have their nose out of joint about this. But so at this stage, City have already taken the lead. Um, Kevin De Bruyne with a Kevin De Bruyne ball, which is just like you're like, oh, it's De Bruyne. That's great, but like that was just amazing. Like he's cut yeah. that through five players. 
Yeah, great balling cut back to Raheem, wasn't it? Raheem, even, even that finish was a bit scuffy, wasn't it? <laughs> it into the ground. Oh, come on, mate. He just scored the bloody winner. But then, so things he's found now. So, um, and then late in the game, City have another good chance with Bernardo Silva on his right peg. That can't happen in professional football. No, was it? Um, it was on his left peg and he cut it back, didn't he? No, that's no, so Bernardo Silva goes. Yeah, no, this is a different one. So Bernardo Silva cuts it, cuts left, cuts right, gets on his right oh, peg. Yeah, oh, my God. That can't happen. He may as well have been wearing stilettos. Like, that can't happen in professional football, can it? It, it just did. You just watched it. Oh, oh, he's a good footballer, and I was I just couldn't believe what I was watching. Yeah. Uh, like the, and Can we go to the other one where um, I think it was um, – I think De Bruyne started the move. You had Amares making a run, and then he played it over to Sterling. Sterling slipped Silver in, and Silver, instead of shooting on his left foot, has sort of dinked it up towards the back post for um, Mares to hit a volley from the other side when he's in the exact same position, just on the other side that went over the bar. He made the and chance just, harder. Oh, just so much. They're just overplaying it so much and just overcomplicating it. I think the um, commentator said that as well. That, it just seemed like a So if you're Pep, are you on the sidelines clapping, being like, that's football, boys? Or are you, Pep, on the sidelines going, boys, just kick it in the goal like we've done all the hard yards? Or is he oh, going, think, yeah, no, we're a beautiful team? No, no, I think, he's, I think he's looking for someone to be ruthless up there. And I think that's why he needs Aguero to come back. I think that's why he sat um, Jesus on the bench. And I think it's why they need to go to the market and buy a striker. Um, I think it really will change their team. Um, having a finisher in their team um, who can play every week, I know Aguero is just, for as good as he is, he has missed so much football over recent years through injuries. Um, so I think that was um, that was probably the biggest difference in the teams. And then uh, and then what about the um, handball, non-handball from Raheem Sterling where he was defending and the ball got crossed in and headed down to him and it sort of like hit his stomach and sort of bounced into his arm. Are you having that? Oh, I'm comfortable that's not given. So I'm comfortable that's not given, as as you and I recently said, I'm comfortable it's not given in normal circumstances. But I think given the precedent that I've seen and some of the handballs I've seen, that's no different to anything, any other soft as handball or a handball that's just been cracked into someone from a yard away either. So yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's a pen, but given the current circumstances and the um, precedent that's been set, that has to be a pen. Yeah. So last notable thing from this game was Danny Ings injured again. Yeah. It was, it, it was a hamstring. Penny. He was grabbing his hamstring, but a knee from the early earlier surgery he had. Like, what did he do? Yeah, I've, I've heard or Ralph Hassenhoodle came out and said it's a hamstring, um, which I think is good news for Danny Ings based on his history with his knees. Um, but it just sucks for him. Like he was in such good form and he just can't seem to catch a break. Yeah, he's at that age now too where once he's had an injury, they seem to sort of trickle on and, and string string together and sort of hang together. But I've got a couple of other things I wanted to co- cover. What do you think of Man City's substitutions? So for many a times, especially from more so Klopp than Pep, we've heard about, oh, we need more substitutions. You know, the little clubs have an advantage over us when they do this. They play smaller squads and stuff. He made one substitution. Yeah, but, mate, <laughs> it's in his budget. He, you can't just bring him on. He's got no depth. Oh. Okay, Aguero, Zinchenko, Mendy, Fernandinho, Mares, Scott Carson's on the bench. 
That's disgusting. He's played in almost Carson. every other team. I remember Scott Carson at Charlton Athletic uh, when he's an up and comer, and Phil Foden yeah. as well. Feel fine as well. Um, and the very, very last point I want to make on this is how bad were City's shirts? Oh, what is that? They get their shirts wrong all the time. Like their third playing strip every year just stinks the joint up. No good. So City up to seventh, um, still behind Southampton. Uh, but are City starting a bit of a run or are you still not convinced? Oh, like I've... I think obviously results are going okay for them. Um, I haven't lost any in their last five, one, three of the last five. But they just, again, it's a win for City, but they just look so unconvincing and far from the team that they were. But you know that they're just floating around there and they could easily string a bunch of games together and become dangerous. But I think, yeah, they, although they're getting results, their football looks far different from other people a bit further up the table. Tottenham in patches, Man U more recently, Leicester in patches and Liverpool all, all the time seem to be playing better football than them. Yeah. Next time you watch City, just keep an eye on the two defensive midfielders and how high the wingbacks get and then cast your mind back to last year. And I think that might explain some of the reason why they're a bit more blunt in attack as well. Um, yeah. So next one, let's move on to... This is the one you've been excited about. So Everton 2, Arsenal 1. So just give me like an overall feel like you were saying off air um, around how you feel about Arsenal right now. No, too too many expletives to um, to mention. But, oh, they're just, they're just a bad football team. And so they're a bad football team and so they've got themselves into like a tough run of form. And then like, you know, when you're in one of those – teams where like you've strung a couple of losses together and things just like pile on and just get worse and worse and that that's i think the phase that arsenal are in now where although they might have turned um a corner in terms of um energy and effort and some of the players that they've been playing they're just in that space where everything goes wrong for them when you're in that type of form and you've got that type of energy around your club yeah i i think the the team they fielded on the weekend um like danny sabios was Nothing short of dreadful. The best player I thought for Arsenal was Maitland Knowles. And it wasn't because he, like, he's obviously not in their best couple of players, but he just keeps trying. Like, he's a real workman like type player. He just does the simple things. And I thought he was far and away the best player. And that's what Arsenal need more than ever. Like, you, you don't need a, a mercurial winger in terms of Pepe. Um, you don't need sort of Hector Bellerin stinking the joint up with um, poor tracking and marking. You don't need Dave Lewis carrying on, but that essentially that, that's what their team's made up of. So Gabriel was injured this game, so Dave Lewis comes in. Um, no Abamyang either, um, which, I mean, changes their, their look of their team. And you look at that team, like you look at their position, you're like, gee, Arsenal low, but then you read out their starting 11 that they're rolling out and you're like, oh, that, that kind of feels right, doesn't it? Like as soon as you take a Bamiang out of that team, like that's a very patchy team, isn't it? But even if you're a young player coming into that team, like like do you really want to be a part of it? Like who, who in that team are you looking to to be like, oh, I'm going to learn from them? Like are you going to Liverpool and Jordan Henderson's going to tell you how things are done? And Van Dijk's yeah. going to tell you how things are done. He's like, you're in the Liverpool first team. This is how things are done. Who in that Arsenal team is going to like tell you what the standards are? Because yeah. none of them are meeting it. No, nah, 100% agree. And have you seen some of the stats on Willian recently? Um, like one shot on target since um, making his Premier League debut for Arsenal. Yeah, just 
it's it's a horrible time at Arsenal. But look, let's talk about the match. So um, quickly touch on Rob Holding opening the scoring. Um, pretty unlucky for Rob, but these are the sort of things that happen when you're struggling, don't they? Yeah, well, that's exactly what I said, right? Where things just go that way when, um, yeah, when you're in this type of form or in this slump. But it's probably the cross that comes in. Like, what's Saka and Tierney doing to to close that cross? Like, they're just so flat-footed and so standoffish, and there's just no um, pressure, no pressure at all on the cross. And yeah, like if you're Rob Holding. Um, and you're one on one with the ball coming in to Dominic Calvin Lewin. You go, you're going to come off second best nine times out of ten, and that's what happened. And Dominic Calvin Lewin convinced he'd scored, had absolutely no idea where the ball had gone. Uh, I like his style though. Ran off and celebrated like, yeah, yeah, that I knew that was going on. But I think if you looked at his face, he had no idea where the ball. They're was not going to check that. Um, yeah, the dubious goal panel. <laughs> we don't have VAR. Um, so, but Arsenal got level against all odds. They got level through a Pepe penalty. Yeah, so no Bamiang, so Pepe took the penalty, nicely taken, um, nice and confident. And to be honest, it was probably a penalty. Yeah, no complaints from me. Um, it was just Tom Davies just gets unsighted there. And again, Maitland Niles, just a little bit of extra effort. That's all it was um, to, to, win try, it, yeah. to try and get on the end of it. And then Tom Davies just lifts him. Um, so they're back in the game. Pepe tucks at home, a bit of toing and froing. But then in true Arsenal style, a six foot five centre back comes forward and they lose him. Oh, but what but I want to talk about the marking. Why what would marking? you put Pepe on him? <laughs> Pepe's on him at the start, like before the corner take it, before Sigerson takes the corner, Pepe is supposed to be marking. He's standing close to him and like roughly in the vicinity of him. And then as soon as Sigerson takes his run up, that's it. Pepe's lost him. Um yeah, Yuri Mina comes a, across the, the face and strong header. Nice goal, and geez, he's a big dude, big bastard, and nice header, and that's the winner. So he is he is the biggest bastard in that team, like no doubt. I think honestly, I think he's like six foot five, right? So my question around that is that a question of attitude, or is it a question of like Arteta's structure saying, okay, you go here, you go here, you go here? Because if you're say if you're again if you're Virgil Van Dyke, the biggest bastard that comes into that box, you know Van Dyke's throwing his head up being like, I want Yurimina. Like, yeah. I've got Yuri Mina. I don't think anyone in that Arsenal team is going to be like, oh, I'll get Yuri Mina. They're like, oh, I hope someone else gets him. Look how big he is. As, as bad as this is going to sound, um, I think it's both. So, firstly, it's Arteta's fault that Pepe is on him, really. Like, you, you know that he's not going to be the best man marker. Like, he's a mercurial winger, um, predominantly left-footed. Um, he's not really going to track your the other centre-back or the centre-back when he comes into the other box. So that's got to be on Arteta. But having said that, if the move is that Pepe marks him, like if some guy's bigger than you, jumps over than you, at that point I agree there's not much you can do. But like at least have a handful of his shirt, like lean on him, get, make it tough for him, try and get in front of him, try and do something. But yeah. Pepe's energy, so that, that's why I'm saying it's both. The first part's Arteta, why Pepe on him? And the second part is Pepe's you know energy to to get something on it. Yeah, I think in that respect, like I know it's kind of old school, but like you feel as though if you're in Pepe's position, Yuri Mina should have to run over the top of you to go on the end of it. Mm. Like that's that's what you should be like. This is and if, this is the game you're playing. Like you want to be out there. Like you're like, okay, I have to do everything I can to pre-. He shouldn't be able to coast forward and just not butt on. Yeah, but having said that, if he does do it and jumps over the top of you and win, like that's there's not I agree. There's not much you can do if you've got Pepe's. Um, Physique, and you're trying to mark uh, your Mina, but 
No, so then no so Arsenal, um, second half I thought was better from Arsenal and they had some chances at the end there. Oh, we're going to talk about Pickford coming out flapping for that one. Oh, cat flaps Pickford. Surely his days are numbered. Oh, if he gets God. in the England squad, I'm going to be so disappointed. He's come out for a looping cross, which he should definitely take. And if he doesn't take, he should definitely stay at home. He comes out, flaps at it, drops it down. And I think it was David Lewis who had a volley into the ground and onto the crossbar and Pickford yeah. got out on that one. Yeah, that was very lucky. But Pickford did make up for it later. Um, I think it was a good save from Saka on the cross or Joe Willock maybe um, as Arsenal were pushing forward. But you're sort of watching Arsenal and it was a bit frantic, but you sort of in the back of your mind you're like, they're not going to pinch one here. No. Um, Who's going to score? Yeah. Exactly. Well, that that's true, but I think we're probably spending too much time on um, punching Arsenal as fun as that is. But we suppose we should talk about how you know good um, Everton were sort of bounced back from their um, their sort of stuttering start or stuttering sort of middle part of um, of this season so far. I mean, they started well, then sort of tripped up a bit. And now they seem to be back on form. Um, Richarlison, how good was he? Yeah, no, I, I was okay with Richarlison. I thought Maitland Niles no. probably had the better of him. Really, I thought Richarlison was just so much more dangerous. And I think that he just seems like he seems a bit streaky, but I think when he's good, he's one of the best players in the Premier League, but he's just not he's just not at that level all the time. But there's patches in games and and whole games that he strings together, which yeah, he's electric and unbelievable. I thought he was great. Yeah, he's quality, but um but yeah, I think Everton have done enough now, back up to fourth. So Carlos got, yeah. got the boys purring again. Um, he needed a bit of time with them. I think their their next game is against Manchester United in the League Cup, which will be a good yardstick for them um, on Christmas Eve. A big one. Mm, massive game. All right, so let's move on to the next massive, massive game. Um, so we have Newcastle 1, Fulham 1. So... There's only really one thing to talk about, and that is the penalty. I say pen. What? <laughs> what? You lost your goddamn mind? No, he's got he's got a hold of him early. Like he takes an extra step and then goes down. But no, he hasn't been fouled then. I think he's been fouled. Oh, I I don't even think it was a foul. Honestly, that was really ridiculous. well. It was, first of all, if it's a foul, which I don't think it is, it's outside the box. And you can't just, like, get fouled and then take an extra step and be like, oh, actually, now I want to go down. You're either forced to go down or you weren't. And he's like, oh, you, get you the box. You like Scott Parker, down. mate. Oh, Scott was you bang on. Like Scott Parker. He was so unhappy with that. And then, and then, like, for not even a foul, for then Callum Wilson to take a dive in the box and you lose a player. Mm. Like, he, he got a red card for that. That's outrageous. Yeah, so I think I'm okay with the pen, so there you go. Son of a bitch. Um, I, I'm absolutely not okay. okay. I don't, honestly don't even think it was a foul. Um, and Callum Wilson obviously is going to tuck it home. Fulham, I think, were the better side for the majority of the game. Um, created a bit of chances. I'm really enjoying their attack right now. Yeah, they, they look good. I think they've probably turned their performances um, around and then the points are starting to follow now. They were a bit patchy. Um obviously early and struggling down with um, Sheffield United and West Brom, but they've climbed out of that relegation zone, turned their performances around, and now the points are starting to come in. Not thick and fast, but they are coming in. you just got to keep picking them up if you're Fulham and try and keep Burnley below you. I know they're just they're equal on points with Burnley, but Burnley have two games in hand. 
uh, and <laughs> Matt Ritchie's own goal. Oh, that's that, Yeah, I can't believe you didn't open with that. Yeah, Matt Ritchie's own goal. Um, yeah, face shot. He goes down <laughs> and ball goes in and that is funny. <laughs> He's slipping over too. <laughs> it just makes the whole thing look better. Just whacks him in the face. I really enjoyed that, but I was steaming after that for that penalty. Just ridiculous. And Newcastle into 12th. So... Brucey's boys sitting pretty. Fine. So you're Chris Wilder. You've got one point all season. You're thinking, game against Brighton, I'll see if I can pinch a couple of points. Wrong. John Ludstrom has other ideas. Oh, so red? <laughs> That's red, right? No <laughs> doubt on that. That's a couple of reds. What was, yeah. he, what was he doing? It looked like a, a tackle that belonged in the 80s. I think I've said it before. You know one of those tackles you're playing on like a Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> He's black booked in. You think? Yeah. I'm going to absolutely level. And I didn't realize how big he was, but they've already cleared it off the line twice by this stage. I think uh, Basham and someone else cleared it. But he ab- like that was always a red card. That was a yeah. horrible tackle. Six yellows and a red in this game. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. But it was a pretty, it was a pretty um, uneventful fixture after that. But then um, Jaden Bogle pops up. Tucks one first home. goal, yeah, first goal in the Premier League for Bogle. So um, nice to see him get his goal. And even though they had ten men at that stage, um, Sheffield United took the lead one nil. Yeah, and uh, so I think before Danny Welbeck scores, Ollie Burke should have won him the game. Oh man, he's got to finish that. Yeah, that's shocking from a striker. That's bad, absolutely shocking. Brighton had twenty-one shots, but so that weight of pressure eventually came, and that guy Welbs. Tucks one home. Tucks one home. Um, got a bit lucky. Cross come in and the header back across sort of hit him in the chest and he volleyed home from all of one yard out. But, yeah, like Brighton's goal was coming. And to be honest, you could see Chef U folding and um, and conceding a goal. And then in the end, they were kind of lucky to hang on for a point even though they sort of led for um, 86 minutes really. Yeah. But I think a win – I honestly think a win could have shot them in the arm and, um, yeah, sort of would have taken up to four points. At that point, they're in touching distance to West Brom and sort of who, who knows there. They get their first win, could get a roll on, but instead they sort of just collapse and, um, yeah, concede concede late, drop the points, and it's just more of the same for Sheffield. And they're kind of a more extreme version of the space that Arsenal are in where everything they do just do- doesn't go right and then, you know, it just compounds on itself and things get worse and worse. Yeah. So two stats out of this game that uh, everyone needs to know is Brighton are now winless in their past 11 Premier League home games. Um, and the second one is Sheffield United have just two points from 14 Premier League games this season, the lowest total by an English top flight side at this stage of a campaign ever. Yeah, worst ever. Um and interestingly, because Brighton have got um, fans back now as well. So, uh, like a few of the clubs, sort of half of the clubs had fans back um, probably, what was it, a, a month ago maybe? Um, and then, yeah, now all the London clubs don't have any fans in anymore. But Brighton is still allowed to have fans in. So, that um, home record just looks more and more confusing at that point. Yeah. All right. So, let's go to probably the surprise of the week. Tottenham nil, Leicester City two. What did you make of this one and were Tottenham robbed? Firstly, uh, um, what was surprising that it wasn't more? <laughs> or what are you surprised about? No, I, I think I think Leicester were value for the points, to be honest. Um, like, I, like Leicester have had a couple of um, like 
Dow performances that like they've been flying along, bopping along, and all of a sudden drop points to a team that you expect them to beat. I think the Newcastle game keeps coming to mind. Um, and then last, well, not last week, a couple of days ago as well, um, where they lost just seems out of character and out of out of like their form line as well. But I think they were back to their very best in this game. Yeah, I felt like Hoiberg and Sissoko just couldn't get control of that midfield. Like they were nipping away, trying their best, but I think Leicester just seemed like superior. Yeah, well, do you think it's because they sort of played um, like a base of two within Don Ballet in front and I think sort of Leicester, Madison dropped a bit deeper so they had Ndini, Tillemans and Madison to and, and – sort of all Brighton floating in there as well. So potentially they just had the the weight of numbers. Yeah, but like after Leicester's defeat um, a couple of days ago, Rogers made three changes, which is um, interesting. He doesn't normally change his team that much unless they're um, forced changes. So um, Stanley came in. I would argue there that there's actually four on two there based on Ndidi being two people. He was immense. the amount of ground he covers. He was unbelievable. He's good, and Leicester missed him. Like uh, as I said to said to you um, in an earlier fixture, where I think Liverpool carrying on about their injuries, Leicester had just as many. So Leicester bringing in Castagna, Evans, um, and and Didi um, recently as well. So yeah, the, all these players are starting to come back, and um, yeah, the performance was back, and, and so are the points. So I suppose a big talking point of the first half there is um, I know you're a big Serge Aurier fan, but um, what was going through his head? Yeah, the character from Serge, wasn't it? Was, He's normally wasn't it? quite rational. <laughs> Doesn't fly to challenges. But he, oh, he like, if you look, and- his head is down. Like, he's not even looking. He's just like, I'm going to charge into the back of somebody. <laughs> so there's no, like, that's a pen every day of the week. Oh, I think I saw a live and was like, that's a pen. And then I think the commentators missed it early and they went back to it um, through VR. Yeah, def- definite pen. And a nice finish from Vardy. Yeah, and then um, so crack on a bit, and then is it James Madison's chance before or after the old old? Oh, before, but before. Fuck, honestly, let the boys play. <laughs> I honestly thought that was Jamie Vardy, like when I was watching it live. Yeah, when he just peeled off. I was like, oh, there goes Vardy. I was like, shit, that's Madison. Great ball, great first touch, and an amazing finish, and. It wouldn't have mattered if he was two yards, three yards deeper. He was like untouched and no one was near him at that point. So, like, I know it's, he was like an armpit away, um, technically being offside, but in terms of like what impact that had, zero. He could have been like so much more offside. But I'll just read out um, Madison's Instagram post at the end of it. Yes, sir. Um, a result that was fully deserved from the performance. VAR out here. Get out of my life, man. Out here taking away festive goals because of an armpit hair was offside. Swearing face emoji. Oh, you don't need that in the game. So I'm glad they finally cleared up the offside rule. I thought it was a good call. Um, so then we're still not finished with the scoring yet. Toby Alderweireld with a comical own goal. Vardy rises no. like a salmon and there's nothing, nothing Toby can do. There's nothing Toby can do, to be fair, but it was a bit comical. But Suzuko was trying to track Vardy's run. Leicester were on the break. Ball comes in. Vardy jumps over Suzuko, heads it into Artavero, and then OG and Artavero looked rather embarrassed. But, like, Tottenham just pushed too far forward, and, and the worst thing you can do to Leicester is push too far forward. They will catch you on the break. 
and that's what happened. But my, yeah, my Marty, favorite Marty moment of that goal there was um, the look on Hugo Loris's face when he realised he was going the wrong way. Time seemed to slow down because he's looking over his shoulder and he's like, "Oh no, I've got this completely wrong." <laughs> Oh, when he's come yeah. out, he's ducked under it. Yeah, I see yeah. what you're saying. Oh, I really enjoyed that. Um, but no, three more points for the Foxes. So that leaves leads us into a tantalising Boxing Day fixture against the form team in the competition, Manchester United. It does. And Leicester in form at the moment too. So that should be an absolute cracker. But keeping Leicester a clean sheet, was um, Casper some big saves? Mm. Got a big hand to um, one header late on. Um, the other thing with Spurs I want to cover is Gareth Bale. At what point are we putting his signing down to being a flop? Is it too early, or is it, or is it just leaning that way at the moment? And he's got time to wrestle it back. What? Are, what are your thoughts? <sighs> I think he's still got time to wrestle it back, doesn't he? He's been intermittently in the squad. I think he's still got time. Okay. Oh, I think he's very oh, much leaning towards looked, that way. But geez, he looked bad, didn't he? He just looks like a golfer or something. I don't know. <laughs> he's, yeah. That's easy, mate. That's low-hanging fruit. No, he just looks underdone, and you can't look underdone in December. Yeah, I mean, he's got no excuses, really. I think unless he's had injuries via training, um, I'm not sure what is his problem. He can't seem to break into the team. When he comes on, he looks, as you say, off the pace and just not not ready. But Leicester move over Tottenham, jump into second, looking pretty good coming into that big game, second versus third, as you mentioned. Tottenham down into fifth. And are we saying Jose's title hopes are dashed? They're now six points off Liverpool. No, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. No, I think it's all of it. Still moving parts in there. Um, but let's move on. So what are we going to now? Maybe a drum oh, roll? Going... Don't worry about the drum roll. Just lead into it, mate. Manchester United 6, Leeds United 2. What did you Scott, make of this one? And it's Scott McTominay, the fastest player in Premier League history to score two goals. <laughs> and what a two. <laughs> I just don't think we can give Scott enough praise. Do you know what the common denominator in both those goals were? The absence of a Leeds defensive midfielder. Don't like, need it, mate. Push him forward. <laughs> got it. You've got to just play that jogger Benito. Um, yeah, what a, the first one, what a strike. Both his goals are great. He just, he's powerful running. He's like at that great um, sort of – gate that he's got where he's just a great middle distance runner like he doesn't have it doesn't have pace I, I wouldn't say um but just over sort of those middle distances he's just got a lovely stride and he just breezes past people so what do you think of that first one there so bruno fernandez lays it into the center of the park for like that if you're doing layups at training or layoffs that's exactly what you want like and basically leads as midfield is the same thing it's like there's no one there no one there, but I think it still took some finishing too. Oh, yeah. Great finish, but like like that close to the 18-yard box, surely there's a body around there somewhere like to get something on that shot. Like it was just way too much space two minutes into a game. As you say, they've just bombed on, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> they've already bombed. So then <laughs> two minutes in or three minutes in, Scott scores an absolute banger, but he's not done. One minute later, I honestly thought that was Leo Messi on the end of that pass. That touch and finish, oh, 
God. Bobby Firmino. Wasn't what a touch. Scott McDonald can't do that. But the good times roll on. (laughs) Manchester United. So we are now three minutes into the game. Manchester United leading 2 0. The boys are flying. And we're not done. We are not done. Bruno Fernandes lashes one home. So, again, a little bit too easy for my liking, the way that Manchester United move it up the field. Um, and then Bruno just lashes one home. Yeah, again, not the best defending. And at this point, what is it, 20 minutes in and they're 3-0 down. But the worst defending of the game has to be for Lindelof's goal. <laughs> the fourth one. <laughs> Manchester United are not good at set pieces. Um, but Leeds defending at set pieces is worse. Um, so what's Tony Martial like? Flicks it on front stick, and then Lindelof like I, I'm not. I think it's Calvin Phillips who is supposed to be tracking him. And he just doesn't. Like he just he's nowhere near him. He taps it over. Is it Phillips or is it Harrison? Oh, they both got the man buns. It could be quite confusing. I thought it was yeah. Phillips. Oh. Yeah, could be, could be. Anyway, anyway, the short story is no one was marking him. And, um, yeah, tapping at the back stick. And the game's done at that point, isn't it? Yeah. But, it, like, honestly, the amount of shots in this game was outrageous. Like, the amount of chances. Just ridiculous. Um, And then any shining lights from Leeds? Oh, I've probably got Rafina. I thought, I thought he batted well and looked dangerous, and he's probably done all right all year, to be honest. Probably been one couple, of Leeds. A couple of cheap turnovers, but, and again, he doesn't really give you much tracking back. But, um, yeah, I don't think there was many shining lights. Like, well, like, the shining lights for Leeds are the things we already know. Like, they can attack. They can create chances. But, like, the centre of the park, defensive side. Yeah. like Fred McTominay-Fernandez looked like shabby Iniesta, and, like, it was, there was just so much space. Like yeah. It was ridiculous. Anytime they went forward, like it just they just weren't interested in defending at all. And like Scott McTominay was just striding into that space. And like I know six two, and you're like, wow, that's a shellacking. Honestly, it could have been ten. And and what do you make of Ollie's team? So he's gone with four at the back: Basaka, Lindelof, Maguire, McTominay, and Fred sitting. Then um, James Fernandez rushed in sort of that second front line, and with Martial up top. Probably the couple that we want to talk about or get you to talk about is um, James coming into the team, um, McTominay coming into the team, and Paul coming out of the team. Yeah, I was very, very, very surprised at Dan James starting. I did not see that coming. Um, uh, it's obvious, like I think Ollie was like, oh, well, they're going to have most of the ball and we know they're susceptible on the counter. Um, we didn't know they were that susceptible on the counter, but I just would never have predicted Dan James starting. What do you think? And then, well, yeah, I was shocked by him starting, but I kind of think this feels like um, he shuffled his pack a little bit, to be honest, um, in anticipation of what's to come. So, yeah, I'm not sure what to read in Paul coming off and sitting on the bench. I think maybe it's just all too much too soon for him. He's only just broken back into the team. Mm -hmm. So maybe he just doesn't want to play him back-to-back-to-back in these games. But, yeah, I think I was a bit shocked, um, Paul sitting on, on the bench. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise based on the fact he started the last three. Um, Scott McTominay, again, I, I feel like he felt like Leeds were going to have a lot of the ball and Scott McTominay is good at like that high-tempo, high-pressing game and he can move the ball quickly. Like He's not particularly good when he's expected to create. Um, mm. So he just gets it, moves it on to the good players, get on with it. And Fred, Fred seems to be the player he likes the most in that centre of the park there. 
Yep. So in the theme of Ollie sort of trying something and then realizing, holy shit, that worked, I'll stick with this forever. Does he pick this team again? Um, not necessarily in the um, Carabao game, but in the Leicester game? No, I don't think so. Shuffles the pack? Yeah, I think Greenwood comes in for Dan James. Um, I think that if I was Ollie, I would think that Leicester City will probably let Manchester United have more of the ball. So you're probably um, going to see Paul come into that team. I think you're going to see well. Paul Pogba come in, yeah. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Pogba came in for Dan James and played that like pseudo left wing role he plays and mm-hmm. potentially Rashford goes higher and plays with Martial in like a two. Um, that wouldn't surprise me because he'd be trying to get like Paul on the ball to release Rashford and Martial. Yeah, I'm probably thinking that Scott comes out of the team, Paul goes into to that role, James comes um, out of the team and you put – either Greenwood or Mata in there because I think Leicester are going to sit deep and you need someone to sort of unlock them. I think Mata can unlock them, but Greenwood not necessarily has that pass to unlock them. I think if you played a team that uh, pushed forward a bit, Greenwood be be my man, but I'd probably go with Mata there just so I'm, I'm thinking he's probably got the key to unlock Leicester. Leicester are obviously going to sit deep and punch um, Man United on the counter-attack with um, Lindelof, Maguire's and Shaw's pace could be an issue. Mm, it'd be interesting to see if Teller starts instead of Shaw, but I thought Luke Shaw was good. So it's going to be a tough selection for Ollie this week. Good news for Manchester United. They're up into third leads, however, down into 14th after a rather promising start. Just touch on leads. Are we thinking that they're a bit leggy as we predicted or is it just a tough run of fixtures coming up against um, Manchester United and the like? No, and I don't want to criticise Bielsa because you know he's a hero of mine, but I think they're both leggy and there's structural problems in the team as well. Um, like the set pieces thing they need to solve. That's ridiculous. They shouldn't be going on this long with a manager of his quality. But they, they do look tired and everyone now knows how susceptible they are on the counter. Like he needs to change the style up because I don't think they've copped 30 goals this year, the most in the competition. They scored 24, but like everyone now knows they have a bit of a weak underbelly and they don't like defending. So that, that like Bielsa needs to like do something because they haven't changed anything. We're 14 games in and they've copped 30 and he hasn't changed anything. I think they're going to get pulled into a relegation scrap with Arsenal. The first thing they've got to do, <laughs> the first thing they've got to do is fix the um the set pieces thing. I think I think once they fix that. That'll really cut down on those goals um, and actually give them a chance to draw games and potentially go on and win games. Yeah, and like so, Ralph Ranić, who is a, I think he's a technical director at RB Leipzig, said that thirty percent of goals are scored from set pieces, so you should spend thirty percent of your time on them. And Teams I just don't think don't, they do that. Yeah, yeah, I just don't think they are. Like if they are, they're doing it wrong. No. Um, like it's just it's such it seems like such a simple fix, but they're just not doing anything about it. Maybe it is fatigue in that respect. Potentially. All right. We might move on to the last one that we need to cover. West Brom, nil, Aston Villa, three. Mm. What happened to you? So you're Big Sam. You've come in. The boys are like, yep, it's good. Big Sam's here. We know how we're going to play. What you don't want if you're Big Sam is a Jake Livermore challenge, do you, on Jack Grealish? And you get one in the first half. Are you happy with that as a red card? Oh, I think it's probably a touch harsh, but I see 
I see it get given. I think in this this day and age, I see it get given. So what? What? So yeah, I'm not too angry at the red card with based on the challenge, but I just want to know why. So the free kick was initially given to Livermore. The referee blew his whistle. The, he it goes on. He's not happy that he hasn't been given the free kick. Then he lashes out at Jack and then goes to VAR and gets a red card. The first thing that came to mind was how is that different to the offside, which then proceeded for Van Dyke to go take a step forward and get absolutely sliced down by Pickford and Pickford to see no consequences to that. I don't have because an answer it was- I do, do you, not yeah, have an answer. I mean, like, yeah. they're saying that, oh, there was a foul or there was an offside before it, therefore the next part of play doesn't count. Well, it did then and it didn't against Pickford. Yeah, so, I don't know. Uh, and you're, you're opening old wounds for Liverpool fans that um, we thought Jordan Pickford was going to go to jail for. But I, I genuinely don't know. No, I want answers, mate. I, want answers. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have an answer for you. Like the Pickford one I said time should have been a red. Um, I don't know if this should have been a red. I feel like they gave him a red card for the intent more than the challenge, and I don't want referees making a determination of intent like that. Yeah, Jack put a little bit of sauce on it too. Oh, that's out, out of character for Jack. Normally he's one to keep his feet. And with calves like that, it must be hard to keep your feet. But so 37 minutes in, um, Jake Livermore is sent. At this stage, El Ghazi's already tucked home a nice goal too. So five minutes in, um, some finish. Great finish. El Ghazi, he played really, really well. Yeah, he yeah. was the best on ground for me. Yep, dangerous. Great finish. Quite a complex finish. Cross comes in and he's gone with the right foot on the inside and sort of healed it in. Um, quite clever. Jake Livermore giving the marching orders. Um, and then I, Villa. I don't, I don't like to see that. I don't like to see that technical finish. I like to um, have a technically perfect individual that comes with his left foot to pass that in. But nevertheless, tight angle, good finish. Yeah. So then Villa, quite dominant after that, um, ended up having 19 shots with 10 on target. West Brom mustered just one. Uh, never really looked in the game. Um, what, Jack and go running amok. Jack and go running amok. What did you think of the Troy goal? Um, just sort of rolled it into the corner. I thought that was a rather delicate finish. I love that. It was so good to see. I thought Troy was really good as well. He actually laid on the first goal, but um, he just summed that up perfectly, didn't he? Yeah. Beautiful finish. Love to see that. Um, I thought Troy played really well and, and El Ghazi, as I've already said, I've got those jotted down for probably two best players on the pitch. The Jack Grealish penalty, you're okay with that? I wouldn't lose his sleep if it wasn't given. Oh, seemed a bit of like shoulder on the side of the body. Yeah, you can't make a challenge anymore at all. No, so given given that precedent that you can't tackle anyone ever, yes, that's a penalty. Yeah. Um, and El Ghazi straight down the middle, nice finish, gets his second of the game, and Villa run out three nil winners, moves them up the table rather nicely into ninth, whereas West Brom still down in nineteenth, touching distance to Burnley, but um, Burnley got a couple in hand. Mm. So before we leave that fixture, are you giving me are you going on record to say Sam gets it done, or are you going on the record to say Sam can't get it done? And I have to go on the record with an answer. Basically, yeah. Uh, I'm saying he picks up Andy Carroll in nine days, and West Brom stay up. Really? Yep. He's just so wily, the old bastard. He's a wily bastard. And you know it? it's going to be direct. It's going to be ugly, but. 
they're staying up. They're not leaving. West yeah, Brom, they're, they're not leaving. They're, <laughs> they're not fucking leaving. Um, no. no, well, I think they're, they're beyond the style though, aren't they? Like they're like, we need to get saved here. If we get saved using ugly football, um, so be it. I think they'll, they'll take anything at the moment. I think Big Sam is going to save them and I'm basing that off history. When he took over Blackburn Rovers, they were in 19th. They finished 15th. When he took over Sunderland, they were in 19th. They finished 17th. When he took over Palace, they were in 17th. They finished 14th. So I think Big Sam, Fireman Sam as I like to call him, can get it done. I remember that Sunderland team vividly too. They were shit. I don't know how he kept them up. Um, All right, so that was the last game of the week. So we've got two to look forward to. So Burnley take on Wolves and Chelsea take on West Ham. So Burnley, Wolves, who do you like? Wolves, oh, I don't think Burnley will put up much of a fight against Wolves. All right, Wolves I'm tipping the upset here. I'm tipping Burnley to win. Really? That's interesting. Yep. No, Jimenez, I just don't – I still worry about where Wolves are going to get goals, and I think Burnley are right up for this. All right. And then in the London derby, Chelsea, West Ham, who you got? Oh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, is Mikel Antonio playing? That's the big question, isn't it? That's Obviously. all I need to know. Have we got any injury news on Mikel Antonio? I know he's in, he's been in the preview, so potentially. Um, if he can get back in there, new contract, I think he can give Chelsea some real problems at the back. Playing. Um, playing. All right, I'm going to have West Ham. West Ham. Yep, and I think Kai Havertz is going to have another stinker, and um, I think Antonio is going to lead West Ham to victory. All right, well, I'm going Chelsea, so it looks like um, we are both going the opposite. So I've picked Chelsea, you've picked West Ham. I've picked Wolves and you have picked Burnley. So we'll see who looks like a mug tomorrow. All right. So speaking of mugs, I've just finished a mug of Carabao after the Keanu cracked open earlier. So we move on to the League Cup. So you've got Brentford versus Newcastle. Who do you like in this one? And can Brucey get himself into a semi-final? It's unlike Newcastle to go on any type of cup run. So this is nosebleed territory for Brucey's boys, but I think they can get it done against um, Brentford. What, what – Brentford in um, championship, I believe. Yep. So Brentford are unbeaten in the last 13 matches in the championship. Um, however, Newcastle's Premier League form has been pretty good. Um, so I, I don't know a great deal about Brentford, but I think that Newcastle should have too much for them, surely. Yeah, we both agree there. I think Newcastle will get it done. So let's move on to Master, Pep versus Apprentice, Arteta. Arsenal, Man City, who have we got? Uh, I feel like this one's pretty obvious. <laughs> um, I do not like um, <laughs> I do not like Arsenal chance in any game, let alone going up against Man City. I think they're going to get absolutely battered here. What do you think? Mm, oh, it's hard to say. Do you, um, like I'd like someone to tell me what the teams are before I sort of pick this game, but I think if any, if both teams play anywhere near their full strength, um, I think Man City will do them. I think if Man City heavily rotates their team and Arteta plays a full-strength team to try and get a win and some confidence into his squad, which is plausible, that way I think Arsenal have a chance. I think that was probably their path to victory. But I think if you're going head-to-head full-strength teams, it probably you probably are at this stage. Um, you got to go Man City. So any chance of Sergio Aguero starting? I just don't think they need him in the League Cup, no. But is it, is it not a good chance to get some run in his legs against a pretty um pretty courteous Arsenal back four? 
That's yeah, potentially, but I just I don't think Pep wants to waste his um, legs on this. I'll be, probably come off the bench if anything. I think depending if Pep makes more than one substitute, but then goes in the week and claims that he needs five. Yeah, so he's gonna have to go. Oh, he's gonna have to spend. Poor bastard. Must be tough. Um, so next one is Stoke City versus Tottenham, the Peter Crouch derby. Um, Peter Crouch played for Tottenham. I think he did. Surely he did. Of course he did. Yep. Yeah, he would have played well too. So Stoke currently seventh in the football league, a uh, couple of points off promotion playoff spots. Who do you like in this one? Spurs, I think Jose is going all out to win a trophy, and I think this is probably the easiest path to a trophy. So I think he'll play a full-strength squad. I think he'll try and um, do a number on Stoke and, and get Tottenham through to a, for a chance to win a trophy. I've got Tottenham doing Stoke here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I've got Tottenham to win this one. But the only thing that I'm worried about is, will Gareth Bale start? Yeah, I think he starts. Oh, I reckon he'll play a full 90. Do you, can? Do, you can, do you think you can do it on a cold, wet night at Stoke? That is the big question, isn't it? I don't think mm. you can based on the weekend. Um, but, look, it will be interesting to see nonetheless. Stoke coming off a 1-0 win at Blackburn, nil all at QPR, nil all at Derby. I'm tipping this one to be fairly dour. Oh, not many goals in this one. No, nah, but I think Tottenham will be able to get it done. Under 2.5 goals. Under 2.5, that's a good call. All right, so next one's the big one. Finally, one we can look forward to. Everton versus Manchester United. Again, Master versus Apprentice. Ollie the Master versus the Apprentice, Carlo. Oh, wow. (laughs) We've turned. Roy Keane thinks he can win the league. Who do you like in this one? And can Lindelof and Maguire handle Calvert-Lewin? I don't think Lindelof and Maguire will play. I think they'll probably play um, Eric Bailly, to be honest, back there. Mm. Um, but I think just the four Manchester United are in, I think they'll be too strong for Everton. I'd like to see Paul pull the boots on. That would be nice. Um, I think Ancelotti will play a full-strength team as well to try and get some um, get some silverware into Everton. But I think just the four men you're in, you can't go past them, I don't think. Yeah, think? I, I I think Everton are going to win this because I think Ollie's going to shuffle the pack a bit um, because he's got one eye on Leicester City. I just don't think the League Cup is high on the priority right now, um, and they've got some they've got a bit of form in the league. And like you don't want to be you don't want Bruno Fernandez running around the League Cup when you're second or third in the league. Um, so I think you might see, but I suppose there's enough there's enough depth in that side to not have an excuse. Like you bring in Cavani up top, you can bring in Donny van der Beek and you know a Dutch international. Um, Mason Greenwood could come off the bench potentially. Obviously, Paul's been rested, but even if Paul Pogba doesn't play, like there's still options there. So there's really no excuse for not fielding like a good strong lineup. Wayne Rooney Derby is that what we're calling this? Or Phil Neville maybe? I don't know who did more for the club. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I think Everton are going to win this game because I think Everton will want it more. I think Manchester United will shuffle the deck. Right, interesting. Yeah, going against the boys. All right, so Rogers multi. Has he got a multi for the League Cup or is he going to save himself for Christmas? No, he said uh, I don't do League Cups or Carabao, so there you go. Doesn't drink Carabao. Yeah, right, that's his loss. All right, so if you want to get in touch with us, it's email footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, Facebook footballplayedonpaper, Insta at footballplayedonpaper, Twitter at footballonpods. Make sure you give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review too. Very important. Um, We need it. Um, That's all I've got. 
Very good. Strap yourselves in. Big Christmas coming. Full of games. See ya.